Welcome to Secrets from the Saddle podcast. I'm Sylvie Daou, your host, fellow cyclist, bike club founder, cycling coach, bike race junkie, just truly super passionate about cycling. My journey with cycling started 20 years ago when I opened a spin studio, started a women's race team, and founded a women's only cycling club called Cycle Fit Chicks. I'm super thrilled to reveal all aspects that make the world of cycling operate. I'm so excited to be able to bring you interesting people from around the world, pro cyclists, recreational cyclists, coaches, event organizers, bike shop owners, everything and everyone you need to know or ever wondered about when it comes to cycling. I know you'll enjoy this episode. Hey friends, before we get started, I'm going to throw a little ad your way. As a cyclist, what is a spring all about? It's about getting your bike ready and learning some specific skills on how to deal with a bike mechanical while out for a ride. Let me ask you this. Do you avoid going long distances because you're afraid of experiencing a flat and not knowing what to do and possibly having to phone someone to pick you up? I can totally relate. I used to be that way. Now to avoid having that ever happening, I have something for you. I have created an online bike maintenance webinars and local hands-on clinics. Check the website for new dates regularly. Here's what you will learn. How to take your back wheel off, how to change a flat, how to adjust brakes, repair a broken chain, patch a flat. In addition, you will learn how to use the tools you're carrying in your bike bag, such as Allen keys and a chain brake tool, tire levers, how to use your pumps, what are chain links and how to use them. With these new skills and confidence, you will be able to handle any mechanical while cycling alone or in a group. No matter where you are globally, you can benefit from one of these webinars. If you're local, the clinics are more for you, and that's for Ottawa, Ontario area. I've been teaching these clinics for over 10 years, and trust me when I say, everyone learns something. A recording will be provided for the webinars, as well as Amazon shopping lists for both webinars and clinics for the bike tools that you will be using and learning how to use. Make sure to secure your spot today at www.sylviedaou.ca or bmcclinic.ca. Thank you very much and enjoy the episode. All right, welcome back to another episode of Secrets from the Saddle, All Things Cycling Podcast with your host, Sylvie Deo, sitting here in Ottawa. And I have B a linker who is sitting in Vancouver, which I just found. She's a Canadian. Ooh, and this is a Canadian product that we're going to be talking about. Now, it like I found this on, I think it was LinkedIn where I reached out to you. I, I can't remember, but um, she developed a bicycle for individuals who are either recovering from it could be from a crash or um are needing to get active anyway she's going to be telling you all about this but here's a little bit about her okay so b alinker is the founder and inventor of the alinker walking bike which is referred to as a vehicle of change B's reverse design practices philosophy led to the Alinker, which is not built for body, a body with a problem. I have a question about that after, but for who we are active and engaged. Now, 
The Alinker company is built to create access to health by building access to mobility, community, and healthy food. B herself is a gender weirdo. She wrote that herself. <laughs> and I'm just like, and has been called crazy or all over the place, scattered, which are our best inventors, honestly, right? Um, where am I? People who told her to focus and comply, but B does not fit in, just held true to her vision that the world needs something else for and by all, by us all. No one excluded. B's focuses focuses on who we are, not what we have. Welcome, B, to the podcast. Thanks, Sylvie. And it's so funny. You do exactly the same that I do. Be a linker. My name is actually B A Link. Oh, <laughs> sorry. The, no, I do exactly the same because like, I'm B a linker. Oh, no, no, no. Actually, I'm B A Link. B A Link. <laughs> but, well, yeah it's the part of your product because it's like right. <laughs> sorry well the product is called after my name but yes and then but anyway i, I do do say mistakes so it's funny okay okay because <laughs> it is right here <laughs> so b tell us like um i always love to ask like how you got into cycling and you were just saying that your cycling passion does not had nothing to do with the a linker so Tell us, give us a bit of background. Well, I'm a cyclist um, because everybody who's born in the Netherlands is a cyclist by birth. <laughs> <laughs> and so cycling and the whole cycling culture and anything on wheels and moving yourself from, you know, to schools, to high schools, to um, restaurants, to whatever is always done on a bike. Whether you're dressed or not dressed, I mean, dressed up or yes. just have normal clothing <laughs> yeah. on, um, <laughs> that everything is done on a bike. So that whole culture of biking and wanting to move, feeling the wind in your face, all that mm. stuff is familiar to me. And if you lose that, because, I mean, if you lose your mobility, you used to be a biker, but you lose your mobility by a diagnosis of MS or a stroke or an accident or whatever, mm. then people are who they are they don't become different people because now their body is, you know, they walk funky or they miss a leg or whatever. You still are the same people, persons. Yeah. Person. But in this world where medical devices are a technical solution for a body with a problem, you lose who you are. Yeah. And then you don't find yourself anymore because now you're a body with a problem that you drag around with this walking mm. wreck or mm -hmm. whatever or the medical world tells you just start getting used to the wheelchair which everybody who gets diagnosed of OMS gets to hear um and here's your medication at least nothing will happen to you is what they say because much of what we do in this world is driven by liabilities at least uh, nothing will happen like at least you won't fall but mm -hmm. you lose a lot more if you can still use your legs um but you're in a wheelchair what you don't use you lose yeah so if you can still use your legs and you're directed into a wheelchair you might actually lose a lot more and there's a lot more side effects to um to your health when you don't use it when you still can uh -huh. so 
the Alinker itself started a little bit different. That didn't come from the cycling world, but it was by a comment of my Dutch stubborn mum. <laughs> oh, the moms. <laughs> yeah, oh, the moms. Um, and we walked over, like in her village, we walked over the plain um, around the church, it was sort of marketplace. You know, in those little villages, you got those groups of people that have all the gossip of the village. <laughs> and they've got their the walkers and, their, <laughs> well, and the guys and they've got their scooters and whatever and they just you know talk about all the village talk and out of the blue my mom said over my dead body will I ever use one of those things pointing at the scooters and the rollators that they were using uh-huh. I was like wow where does that come from what actually happened in that moment is that she caught herself on her own judgment of those people Oh. She was judging those people like they look ridiculous with those things. Mm-hmm. And then she didn't, she could see her because she was aging. Um, she could see herself in them and didn't want to be judged by people like she was <laughs> judging them. Oh, I get it. Yeah, yeah. Right? That was actually right happening. there. Because <laughs> yeah, there is a whole judgment on stigma, on yeah. mobility devices. And what I realized in that moment and asked a little bit further um, what happened in her and why she said that and stuff and um, what I realized is that medical devices are a technical solution for a body with a problem and it emphasizes the disability and it creates a social divide between people with and without disabilities yeah that to me is an instant justice issue yeah because why would you create a sort of divide between people that so driven by that justice issue I designed something that is so cool that people would want to use it and not like over my dead body. Yeah. And it's so cool that you're, you become the one with the cool bike instead of like, yeah. oh, what happened to you or like, Ooh, that's uncomfortable. I don't want to talk to that person. And I love somebody, I think it was on your Instagram. I don't know where it was, but talked about how the, the color yellow, cause it's like race cars. Like, I love the color yellow. <laughs> it's like a fast car. I'm like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. 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 I've had the request to make them Ferrari red. <laughs> well, I would go for red. <laughs> yeah. But the thing is, if you if you create a new product, now talk to people, oh, there's that yellow bike again. So yeah, as that's long right. as people refer mm-hmm. to that yellow thing because they actually don't know the name yet, but they've seen it around that Selma Blair yeah. is using it, for example. So they've seen it somewhere and then they look for the yellow bike. I think yellow is more uh, striking. It stands out way better than any other color, personally. Yeah. It's just my favorite color and I couldn't do orange because that would be too obvious because I'm from the Netherlands. That's just boring. So so I went with yellow. Never gave that a second thought. Just like, oh yeah, I'll make the yellow. Yellow is good. But it wasn't a brand strategic decision or something at that time <laughs> at all. I was just like, oh, yeah, I like got a couple of choices. It's not going to be blue. It's not going to be green. <laughs> it's definitely not going to be burgundy red. That's about yeah, the that's right. that you can get in. Oh, that picks my eyes. I'm sorry. But that burgundy red walkers, for example, the rollators, that's the coolest you can get in rollators. Burgundy red. Like, anyway, that's okay. my yeah, personal little pet peeve. Yeah. That, yeah. I like the race car yellow. Yeah. <laughs> and most people do. And if they don't, if, if color is the problem, then you're probably not in. Yeah, you know, right. You know. One product, one color, take it or leave it. Yep. <laughs> you're not going to get this anywhere else. So, so yeah. 
I love the fact that you're Canadian and you were saying that, you know, it's going to be a Canadian product. And um, you also said that it's in Ottawa. Okay. So for your listeners, if you happen to be in Ottawa, listening to this, uh, B is going to tell you where you can find one of these. Unfortunately, I don't think they probably lend them out to just anybody because no, I know no, the they do actually. They do? Oh, they do. All right. Yeah, you can you can rent them. Um, not just well, like you have can you to rent to buy, like rent to try. Is that how it works? Like, well, you can rent to rent to own with us online. It's a zero. Oh, okay. Zero percent interest, just to make it possible for people to spread out. Uh -huh, uh -huh. So we made it a rent to own. But you can rent them temporarily, and they're not expensive. With the, it's at the Liquid Gym, by the way. <laughs> The liquid look gym. Up, look up the liquid gym in Ottawa. Um, they've got a whole um, series of, I think, 50 Olingers or something. Um, and we've done races for the General Hospital and for the Tamarack weekend. And we've been in, in I think, three big events with them where people really? who cannot walk generally did a, a one and two kilometer race on their Olingers together. <gasps> and this is the crux. Because they did it together, they pulled everybody went over the finish line. Yeah. If you if you try to rehabilitate whatever all by yourself, it's it's hard. But because mm -hmm. you do it in community, and that is something that the liquid gym absolutely understands. Mm -hmm. Building of the community, doing things together, supporting each other, that makes like incredible things happen. Yeah, we did the two kilometer races on the general hospital. It was unbelievable. Some people Which, just zipping. Was that a was that a bike race or a running race? That was a fundraiser for the general hospital. Like the Chio? Chio run or Chio bike? No? No, general hospital. <laughs> I don't know. But it's um and there's all sorts of videos about that too. Okay. Um, but that's uh yeah. People so, were cycling that. There was a there were all sorts of races. There was a special race designed for Olympus because it was 50 of us. And Liquid Gym organized that with the general ah. hospital to have a special Olympus component. So you don't, you're not in the way of people that run, you're not in the way that people that cycle. Mm -hmm. um, and there was a special um, a parkour that was set out for the Olympus. It was fantastic. Oh, very Amazing. cool. So when was that? Was that last summer? That was before the pandemic. Oh, <laughs> so three oh years I see. Ago. Yeah. Right. It's like everything's yeah. coming out of the woodwork now. Like we're kind of like getting back to normal. So tell me about well, well this. Yeah, that. No, we're not going. No, no, go no. Sorry, which is not built for a body with a problem. So you're just saying you're not you're not endorsing that stigma. Like nobody has a problem. Like anybody can use them. That well, let's be honest about bodies. A body is a logistical nightmare. Mm -hmm. You need to eat it, you need to sleep it, you need to poop it, like all that stuff. Like you need to move it. It's a logistic, you need to manage this body. If I yeah. miss a leg or I walk wonky or whatever, it's just adding to the logistical nightmare, but it doesn't determine who I am. Right. And so why, why do we stigmatize people with disabilities? Right. And I think it's a whole psychological thing that, Mm -hmm. we're not comfortable with disabilities because it reflects on that we're mortal creatures 
Right. We don't want to be confronted with something that could happen to us. We don't mm -hmm. want to be confronted with our vulnerability because we think we're invincible. So I think the psychology is not that, you know, the, um, the people that uh, have disabilities, and to be honest, I mean, they might be cool, but that's the first disability. I need glasses. I don't see nothing when I do this. <laughs> that is a disability. I mean, yeah, yeah. to be real. <laughs> I wear glasses like, too. <laughs> yeah, but that's kind of accepted because we make that cool with nice glasses and a lot. But that's yeah. just the first dense in that we're mortal creatures and shit happens to us during life. Why not? Why does that have to determine who we are? Yeah. Who I am is how I show up. I mean, everybody knows Stephen Hawkins. He was in a wheelchair, was extremely disabled, but it didn't determine who he was. He's still a fucking brilliant um, scientist, right? Mm -hmm. And people yeah. knew him as a, as, a, as, a, as a brilliant scientist. Of course, because that was, that was what he was before he passed. But so why do we get judged on what we have a body with you know characteristics yeah and that goes as far as skin color or gender identity or whatever that kind of talk characteristics people judge on what you have and i think it's it it creates divides between us and it it splits us up yeah and that's yeah, and that, yeah right so i think that we like i am who i chose to be Mm -hmm. a kind a kind person so in all my practices i try to be as kind as i can and kindness is really difficult in this world but right it's not nicing it's not the canadian nicing it's <laughs> kindness, <laughs> kindness. Nice. very different yeah right and yeah brutal honestly brutal honesty is sometimes the kindest thing that i can do it's not yeah nice, but it's yeah kind. it's not nice but it's sometimes needed right yeah <laughs> But that's who I chose to be. That's 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 where I live by. That's different than what I represent with the color of my skin or with my gender characteristics or whatever, you know. Yeah. So let's talk about how you came up. Now you talked about your mom, and I'm not sure if that's where it all started. Yep. But over my dead body is what over started my this dead company. body, like. <laughs> yeah. Right. Cool. Huh? Hmm. <laughs> so at that moment, did you sit there and go, "I need to." design something different for mom so that she would that my first not be yeah. judged but I know she's going to need something like that and then you're like how am I how did that whole concept start rolling out on paper and and I remember I think I read somewhere like because you reverse the wheels in right instead of being out so they're more um they're not as how do you say um um in the way i like to say like you know the front wheels no is a single wheel in front where's your picture in the back in the back this is the yes. thing like most tricycles have one wheel in the front because it's yeah but it's further out it's not reversed in yeah. yeah so how did how did you decide like how how did that all start mm -hmm. well the, the idea was like to make something better for my mom that at least my mom would use. And as a very stubborn Dutch woman, um, <laughs> that was quite a challenge. But very quickly when I started prototyping, like the idea was 
just looking was around, she, like how was she how your test people... subject? God, no, she was way too stubborn. <laughs> Seriously, cool enough? no. Would you get on this? No. Okay. <laughs> later, way later, when oh, the really? acceptance level of the linker in the Netherlands became a little, then she was like, "I'll try that too," oh. but it was. <laughs> she you had to see all her girlfriends on it first. Okay, now I right? think I can. <laughs> But yeah, so what I started doing is studying a little bit, like who's using mobility aids and how many people are not using mobility aids because over my dead body, will I ever use that? Mm -hmm. And are at the risk of falling. I was like, what do people need? First of all, to be cool. Like that was the thing. It had to be so cool that people would love to use it because I'm temporarily able-bodied at the moment. I can go to a bike shop and get the coolest bike that I want. Mm -hmm. Cost money, but I can get the coolest bikes that you can get. The moment you have a disability, burgundy red is the coolest thing that you can get. Yeah. Right? Or high sport stuff, whatever, and it's unaffordable. Yeah, the tri the trike is an, is one of the other ones. Uh, the only other one, actually, the cat eye, the um, the tricycle. The recumbent bikes. The recumbent bikes. They're yeah. they're Canadian as well. They're out in Vancouver and uh they're not cheap if you want uh they're not cheap and they're not possible for a lot of people to get in. Yeah. School. Like the and the Alinker I designed because I wanted to I wanted it to fit within the footprint of a wheelchair. So wherever mm. wheelchairs go, you should be able to go on the Alinker. Yeah. Because because recumbent bikes are great if you can use them. But they're only they're huge so you can't yeah, take them in a shopping big. mall for example or a museum yeah. and they're so, low profile too that's what yeah. i like about yours it you sit high so you can still see and be seen too yeah yeah this is something that a lot of people say like i'm at eye level yeah and mm -hmm. one thing i always have to say and i always want to say is like there's nothing wrong with wheelchairs wheelchairs are fantastic for people who need them Mm -hmm. but the fact is that half the people that use wheelchairs still can use their legs but there was nothing designed for them to use their legs to be at eye right. what's wrong in in relation with wheelchairs is how people treat people in wheelchairs because they look down on them they start like i've seen it many times that mm -hmm. people the moment you sit in a wheelchair somebody says are you okay they start yelling at you they talk slower as if you lost your brain um can i help you or like not talking to you at all people are uncomfortable around wheelchairs because they are uncomfortable they make a problem for people that use wheelchairs mm -hmm. and but this is something of our whole western system and it goes on to systemic levels we have been taught and brainwashed and conditioned that we have the right to comfort in this in this Western culture. So how dare you confront me with something that makes me feel uncomfortable? That's underneath that, right? Yeah. So, yeah, so how, how do you think of that this, design, though? Sit well, on top. Well, wheels. looking looking at what people do, if you see people on on rollators, you see them hunched over. So, yeah. And what happens there? It's like, oh, I think people need to get rid of their weight. Because they try to mm -hmm. lean off on their on their shoulders and yeah. and arms, but that means you get stress on your shoulders and arms, mm -hmm. and 
you still don't get rid of the weight. Some people can use their legs, but not with the weight of their body on it. Right. So I thought, huh, bike seat, right? In the Netherlands, <laughs> like a Dutch heritage comes up. <laughs> and so how do you how do you get supported on a bike seat while you're standing up? You need to have a sort of overarching frame underneath. Mm -hmm. And then for stability reasons, like more than two wheels, maybe, and then two wheels in the back, you would kick against that. So two wheels in the front. Also, if you go forward and you have one wheel, the tilting line. Yeah, the try. Yeah. Right. So if you have two wheels in the back, in the front and one in the back, your tilting line is when you would go back. Because there is a tilting point, obviously, because it's a two-wheeler. (laughs) <laughs> and you need to get used to where that tilting point is and when you're on the slope and all that stuff. But mm-hmm. um, it's not as you go. And the speed that you go gets you into the tilting line. So it's more stable with the two wheels in the front. And it's really hard because the engineering to make that properly working, there's full Ackermann steering in the, in the, in the whole steering mechanism. Oh, and yeah. Ackermann means um, you're not going parallel because it would start bouncing. But mm-hmm. Akamal means it goes through an arc and this one takes a smaller oh. radius than this one, right? Mm-hmm. And also if you, and they're, um, they're cantered and then cantered back. So if you move, you actually do this. Mm. Oh, yes. Right? Okay. Oh, I'm exaggerating, cool. but that's kind of yeah, the yeah. movement. No, I can which see also it. makes you if, you, if you go that way, you hang into the corner, into, yeah. into the curve that you're making. So you actually make it more stable. And so that Ackermann steering, which is in every car, is quite an engineering thing to do on a three-wheeler. So I get it that that doesn't happen generally with three-wheelers because <laughs> I've been through that process, how difficult that is and how How long did it take? It Four and a half years. I made seven, <gasps> really? three, um, yeah, I made um, seven conceptual prototypes here in Vancouver. And mm-hmm. I made seven um, other um, pre-production prototype so with all the engineering and the capacity and making it feasible like you can make something fantastic cool la 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 and then it's going to cost twenty thousand dollars and that's not going <laughs> like, to happen yeah. so you need to sort of weigh quality a weird steering mechanism because every engineer told me in that process like why don't you make that straight tube in the front because now it's got a bent tube so the whole thing actually looks like a bit of a sculpture they said, why don't you make that straight? It's cheaper and it's, and I was like, yeah. And then it loses the cool factor. So, <laughs> right. But yep. <laughs> these are, these are all um, things that you have to consider in the, in the process um, of what my vision was of what that thing needed to look like. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's kind of life changing for a lot of people. So, yeah. I was watching some videos on your Instagram page. And, um, yeah, it really does give people a new lease on being able to use their legs and, and strengthen them too. Like, you know, that mind leg connection, like you're talking about. And I was just thinking, you know, like, I'm sure we can all think of one person in our life or maybe a neighbor who is, you know, sitting in a situation where they could probably really benefit from trying one of those you know, like my father-in-law, for instance, you know, just to get around more, he still walks, um, but it would probably be a little bit more comfortable, more speedy, you know. And it's work. 
So this is this yeah. is something the Alinker is is a is a mindset, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's not like oh you get on it and now it's all comfortable and uh, and great. It's hard work, especially if you lost quite a lot of your mobility, your muscle mass, your tone, muscle mass, your, yeah, you know, and your brain wasn't activated for a while because that is what the Alinker does that I've learned over the whole time oh. uh, doing the Alinker. Because you exert pressure on your sit bones as you sit on the seat, you tilt your pelvis back a bit. It actually opens up your whole spine as a sort of highway of information to your brain. Oh. And the feedback loop of the brain is something that is barely mentioned in the or not mentioned in the medical system. For example, Parkinson's, the whole study for medicating Parkinson's is focused on dopamine and dopamine receptors. Now Uh you've got them, you know, the boxing classes and they start seeing like, oh yeah, but that's not the medical world. The medical world wants to focus on medicating, but but activating the whole brain circuitry is not in the picture of of Parkinson's um, uh, uh, rehabilitation Mm -hmm. or treatment. Why not? Because I've seen unbelievable results that people that have massive freeze of gait, freeze of gait is... If you walk, then your brain gets over, like with Parkinson's, your brain gets overstimulated or something happens, and then you collapse slowly. You cannot yeah. put one foot for the other. That's called freeze of um, freeze of gait. And I've had people that go on the Alinker and it disappears because you're stabilized in your core. Your brain doesn't need to worry about the full balance of your whole body. Mm-hmm. And they start walking. They don't, like I've seen people with Parkinson's that don't even tremor. Wow. Because it instantly stabilizes you. And as you make the walking movement with your legs, while you're stabilized and your spine gets all that information to your brain, your brain is like, oh, I recognize that. I remember what to do. I'm going to yeah. try and make new connections. Because the brain wants to work and it can create new neural pathways. We've seen that with people with MS, that you know, they've got lesions in the brain and they become obstructions and they sort of obstruct wherever the lesion happens, obstruct that field. So sometimes it affects speech, sometimes it affects mobility, sometimes it affects other things. And the, when people use the Olinker regularly, mm-hmm. repetition, 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 because that's what the brain needs to strengthen pathway, pathways once they're made. Yeah, yeah, yeah you can understand that new pathways can be created around the lesions, around the obstructions. And a person who works with us actually had very affected speech. And she was barely speaking to that point, right? And so she was two months on the Alinker. And there's a video of that. And I can can share that video if you want. But after two months, she's like, I've been two months on the Alinker now in my voice. And she speaks clearly. Two months. Selma had a similar experience because the, the, um, the, the, effects, the effects of MS on your voice make you speak really um, difficult sometimes. Mm-hmm. And Selma's voice cleared up. Like I brought the Alinker to, um, to Chicago when she was going through the treatment there. And she, she met me and she was like, I need your bike. And then after, after she got on the bike and did two tours around, we had a full conversation. Really? So mm-hmm. is it because uh, when she stopped using it, 
the lesion went back and her voice went back to where it was, or was no, it I something that was reversible that had reversed? No, I think the, the instant effect is that people can relax. Because right. you're, you're, you're on the seat as you're standing. Yeah. And you're instantly relaxing because your core is stable now. You don't need to worry about. So your, your brain becomes available for other things because it doesn't need to worry about a full balance or like, oh, my king mm -hmm. here. Oh, my God, I need to sit down. I'm, I'm tired. All that stuff that happens in the body that the brain needs to deal with has an effect on how we move, appear and talk. And so when you're stabilized in your core, as you're standing, all of a sudden you're, you're freed up to, you know, to do other things or to engage or to talk mm. smoother or not to have the, the shakes of Parkinson's. So, oh. and I've learned this, I, I did not know this, um, I had no idea. It's like, I just made <laughs> but, this bike, but, but yeah, there's so many I just benefits. Mm. Yeah. And I really needed to learn that because in our medical world, we don't, we don't talk about the brain and the power of the brain. Yeah. I know it's so like, medically focused and, um, like, yeah, there's not enough I always, focus on I always say we don't and movement. Right. I always say we have we always talk about a healthcare system, but it's not healthcare. It's reactive and it only kicks in once we're sick, which means it's a sick care system because it cares for us once we're sick, which we need people get sick. But if you give it that proper name, you can realize that we actually don't have a healthcare system. Things that support our wellness, yeah. which is mobility, community and healthy food. Mm -hmm. So this is why I relate to the Elinker as a vehicle for change because we use our company as a vehicle for change to talk about what health is and what we really need to do to, to support our wellness yeah not fixing problems that we created by bad food in many cases right now chronic illnesses are often related to food that feeds the pharma industry the food industry feeds the pharma industry mm -hmm. but if you choose you say that out loud foods feeds the pharma industry pharmaceuticals <laughs> the food industry feeds the pharma industry yeah two yep. thirds of the of the population in north america is pre-diabetic yeah that's that's incredible two thirds of us has at least one chronic degenerative illness i would mm. say that's systemic and that's and systemic stuff comes by what we put in our mouth, what we have mm -hmm. been taught is healthy or good or comfort food. There's the word comfort again. Comfort yeah. is not something to strive for. Athletes know, and you as a cyclist know, you need to move through discomfort to get further, to finish that race, to get used mm -hmm. to something. You have to move through discomfort to grow. So why don't we apply that to ourselves as non-athletes or maybe as you know, but athletes get this. Non-athletes don't get this. They 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 look for comfort because that's what we've been taught to do. Well, you want to have your comfort zone and don't leave mm, your comfort zone. I know, oh, and I yeah. deserve, and I I worked out, so therefore I can, or I you know I uh, I need that glass of wine every night to relax. You know, it's just it's um yeah, it's a big mindset shift a lot of us need to do, and and it's a lot of work. You know. Mm -hmm uh but the alternative is that we get sick and that we become dependent on a system that's actually not designed yeah. for our wellness so take or your pick you just wait <laughs> you for choose which illness is going to hit me <laughs> you know two-thirds of, of us have at least one chronic degenerative illness 
let that sink in two-third of us yeah that's not as if it's like even 70 percent are overweight you know like 70 percent that's that's that was in the united states and it's close slowly coming here and you know and also our children like i think like two out of five is obese like things like that is astounding the thing is though with which is which is very important to to put that out right being fat is not the problem no we talk about obese people because we make them into a medical issue right obese people are not fat that's not the problem the problem is that there's underlying from uh, chronic illnesses that cause people to gain weight the mm-hmm. weight is not the problem and the whole world talks about as if being fat is the problem, never addressing the underlying issues. It's the same as talking about the sick air system. Turn the language around. Mm-hmm. When we focus on obesity as the problem, it's stigmatizing. Yeah. And you, you do not want to be at the, at the receiving end mm-hmm. of all the stigma and judgments of people because you're fat. Because we created a narrative. Mm-hmm. And we made it a medical thing that obesity is a no underlying illnesses are causing people to gain weight. Yeah. So if we don't address the underlying chronic illnesses together with healthy food or being in community, because what happens, what is really, I think, the most devastating thing in our society is that people get isolated. And during the pandemic, we could finally talk about that. My whole population, my whole customer base, everybody was like when the pandemic started and people started whining about um, uh, uh, being isolated, they were like, welcome to my world. I've been in isolation for years, (laughs) right? Yeah, I'm like, I have no problem with that. (laughs) But this is what you say, going back to normal. Normal was Mm -hmm. criminal for most people. Yeah. Normal was criminal for the people that got isolated. Normal was criminal for everybody that doesn't have a white skin. Normal was criminal for people that, you know, are gender weirdos. Normal was criminal for like go on and on and on because normal was a heteronormative white guys concept that was plonked on society, but that's not healthy. That's mm-hmm. not normal. That was criminal. So going back to normal is something we should never want to go back to. This is the opportunity that we had a big I know, it's the opportunity for change. Right? Yeah. And I thought that, you know, I I love a lot of the changes come through. So how can we, what's your next step to getting your bikes out to more in like visibly, like the visibility of your bikes? Because... There needs to be more of them out there. I'm sure you know that. But do you have a plan to maybe, <laughs> and I hate to say bringing them in hospitals, like as an alternative for instead of sitting on a wheelchair, they can sit on one of these. But, um, oh, and I also like, um, I saw this, this older lady was, uh, well, she was like, she's like my grandma. She was doing a presentation and she was talking about walkers and how bad they were for the elderly and she was she was using walking cane like not uh hiking poles and i was just yeah for to so they're upright they have balance you know they can still walk if you can still walk 
-hmm. Yeah. And I was just thinking about how good your bike would be in that instance to keep the upright posture sitting position instead of like hunching over into like a walker and, and, you know, moving around like that. But mm -hmm. do you have a plan to get them? Uh, out we, always, we always follow the energy a little bit about what's happening. I, I, I'm not a huge planner. I've got visions of what it could be. I definitely yeah. have visions like where this could go. And again, back, back to the pandemic, I've always dreamt about bringing manufacturing of the linker back to Canada. Oh yeah, that's right. And, right. And so, mm -hmm. and I've always dreamt about a linker that has a higher weight capacity. So heavier yeah. people, like 67% of people in America are overweight by chronic diseases that cause them to be overweight. Right. Mm -hmm. 67%. Yet there is nothing non-stigmatizing for heavier people to stay active. Say that again, like and it becomes completely bikes. ridiculous. No, but if you've got mobility issues. Yes, that's right. right. Yeah. Right? There is nothing non-stigmatizing for heavy people to stay active. Mm -hmm. That's insane. So I've had a long dream, but it, it takes, like, it took about a million dollars to create the original Alenkers. And then we created the, um, well, and four and a half years, right? And yeah. doing double jobs uh, for four and a half years, but in distress and whatever. It's not easy to bring something like this to market. And I'm, yeah. I don't know how we did this, but somehow this thing wants to be there. And I just need to sort of hold that through the process. Deep yeah, you can't stop. That. <laughs> yeah, you cannot. But no. so the dream is to create an Alinker 2.0 um, with a weight capacity of up to 450 pounds wow. and bring production back to Canada. Mm -hmm. So we're fundraising for that and we're looking oh, for partners okay. who totally understand that, get that and want to come on board. Not to try and make us do things as they see, but understand what we do and come on mm -hmm. board. And, you know, once the, I always talk about money as nutrients, once we have the nutrients, <laughs> um, I've got two manufacturers in Ontario um, uh, lined up to start the process. We just need the money to get that done. Oh, wow. That's exciting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I can't call those, I can't name those companies yet, but and oh, yeah. we don't know where we're going to go, but. It is, um, it's a whole process of developing that linker 2.0 and the weight capacity 450 pounds is quite an um, engineering um, challenge. So yeah, we need to start the feasibility study, but that's, that's the dream. So I don't have plans. I have dreams. I can, I can, I can see visions of what that can look like. So um, do you have somebody working with you that helps put that vision onto paper? Cause I know us visionaries are really bad about planning. Cause I'm, a, I'm one of those too, but having somebody to get the process rolling and figuring out like how to well, make it work. Do you have somebody all, on your, on your side? First of all, we got a fantastic team. Right? Okay, good. Yeah. We've got a fantastic team. And in the first years, I have a weird mix of being a visionary and being really realistic because from the vision I can work my way back and then get there instead of mm -hmm. going here, 
like problem, 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 problem. I don't believe in problems. Yeah. Problems are not problems. They're symptoms of a system that wasn't designed for us. So I don't believe in problem solving. I believe in putting a vision out there yeah. and working your way back. Like, what do I need to do? Always with that vision in mind. And mm-hmm. then they're not obstacles. You just constantly work towards that vision. It's a very different yeah. way of working. And I've I've done major projects in um, in countries like Afghanistan and, um, and Indonesia after that big tsunami and whatever, like building 300 schools at one time. Whoa. They're big projects and I, I know how to manifest things. And I, I've, I've got a weird mix of and being a visionary and being very real on what we can mm-hmm. manifest together. And I think the word together is always the crux. It's not me yeah. doing those huge projects. Mm-hmm. But I, I create a team of people, put them in the vision, and then it works. Right. We can manifest together. And the same happened with the linker. We manifest together. So I'm calling in for people to come join us, people that have nutrients that we can manifest this vision to. Mm-hmm. So are you currently, like, I know you're, you're designing your 2.0, but the current Alinker, is that still being produced regularly? Like orders or is it by order or do you have well, it's by products order and I can people I can could order now? a little bit of a, of a breakdown of what happened before the pandemic and how the pandemic influenced the supply chain. Oh, I know <laughs> how it influenced. I think everybody's experienced that. So, oh, so you're back but in numbers, but in gigs. numbers. Like right. I used to be able to put a order of 150 linkers at one time, 150 a month or something, 150 linkers, four months. I paid them 30% down. And then um, four months later, I had them in the warehouse in North America. Now, prices have gone up more than 30% on their side. I still pay down 30%. Minimum mm. order quantity is now 1,000 units. <gasps> so I need to mm. prepay 30% of an increased price by 30%. And I might get them in 24 months. So you can imagine what that does to the cash flow. So yeah. last year we couldn't grow because we you can only put so many orders in as you can pull from your cash flow, which was instantly under pressure, of course. Um, and so we we did the same amount as the year before and this year probably the same because there's not more coming from Taiwan because you have to wait till it comes through the pipeline 24 months later. We're very lucky that we are still in business and that is only because we built partnerships. And right at the moment that the pandemic broke out, we were in Taiwan with the team. And our, our partner, who is also an investor, shareholder in our company, agent that pulls together like for more than 40 suppliers to, to build the Alinker. Um, he said he learned, he knew he was a Taiwanese guy. He is a Taiwanese guy who understood what happened with SARS. They never stopped learning about what happened with SARS. In North America, we just think, okay, well, that's over. Let's go back to normal. Yeah. In that part of the world, they actually continued to like, what is the next pandemic? What did SARS do? SARS do? They didn't stop thinking about that. So when when Wuhan happened, Nick was like, put in your orders because this is going to be a shit show. 
<laughs> he like so we put in orders. Yeah. yeah, but we put in orders early. Luckily, we had a stunning year before, so we actually did have the cash flow to put in orders early. So mm -hmm. we 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 had product throughout the whole pandemic. I mean, we're a little <gasps> oh. bit backlogged here and there. Like in mm -hmm. Canada, um, there's been a few months that because if you don't ship a full container, you don't want to ship at all. Right. Like one container, a 40 foot container used to cost $4,000 or $3,000. Now we pay $22,000. <gasps> mm -hmm. But that's just what the international supply chains have done. And it's greed of those shipping companies. There's oil prices, but that doesn't create one container to be from three to $22,000. But that's what's happening. Wow. And so, you know, and you can't get empty containers in Taiwan. Normally it was like, okay, assembly line is tomorrow, get a container, load them in and get them to the, to the port. Now it's mm -hmm. like six to eight weeks in advance. We need to plan our, our assembly line where they come off and then try to get a container in time at this assembly. If we don't order them six to eight weeks in advance, you can't find a container and the assembly slot will just go because there's no container to load them. So it's it's really become super complicated to do this and we're really lucky that we're navigating through this all the challenges and that we were able to do that with a fantastic partner in Taiwan. Wow, you are I've so this, lucky. I've built this company on partnerships, not on contracts. Yeah. And that's really essential. Mhm. Mm that's amazing cuz I know like a lot of people like I have a couple of friends who own their own bike shops and I was devastating for them for sure, especially when they had their own product line. Actually, some of them had their own product line wasn't too bad because, you know, it was well, I think like bike other... shops did really well, actually. Um, they well, just they have sold everything. everything. Yeah. But then when you don't have anything to sell, that's the problem. You got nothing to sell. So you're not making any money, you're not getting anything in. And I but, think the reason why we still had product also is because all our parts, except for the steering and, um, and the saddle, the seat, they're the only off-shelf parts. All the rest we make. And oh. because we make our own parts, forging right. and extruding and all that stuff, we make all the parts. So most bicycle brands yeah. or, or all manufacturing plans the big brands came in they said we just give you all the money we just hired this factory for the next year and you couldn't find production slots anymore so oh. small brands cannot produce because the big brands came in and they just they take everything and so the small brands are really suffering or being acquired by the bigger brands and only huh. because the Alinker is all custom made right we're still here it's not a cheap product, but it takes something to bring this product um, to market. And if we were like to put the price in the context, if we were to sell this as a medical device, now we're selling it for in US dollars is the, is the anchoring price because we pay Taiwan in US dollars. So everything always relates to that US price, yeah. $2,570 US. Mm -hmm. That might seem expensive. And yes, it is if you don't have the money, but if we sell this through the medical system, through the certified suppliers, 
it would probably retail for two, three times as much because that's how that system works. Mm. And we've always refused to be part of that. Yeah. And we're making it available through crowdfunding campaigns that we do. We've just completed 209 crowdfunding campaigns with people and we just launched five more campaigns. Oh my gosh, wow. Because the system drives people into poverty. We get it that people don't have that money. And yeah. we want them to have a high quality product. I don't want to jeopardize the quality. So right. how do you get well, a yeah. high quality product in the hands of people that have just have been driven into poverty by this system? Mm-hmm. We do crowdfunding mm-hmm. campaigns. And 209 people so far got their linkers, five new campaigns launched, and there's much more in the pipeline. Wow. Okay. So mm-hmm. um, where can everybody find you? Where's the main place? to go look at the Alinker. Online. It's all online. I know where. Is, we, is it, is it Instagram? Well, yes, Instagram, the Alinker world, the underscore Alinker underscore world. Um, on Facebook, we're the Alinker USA and Canada. Um, we're on Twitter, the Alinker. We're on TikTok. I think yeah. it's the linker. I'm not sure. We're on TikTok. Yes. yes. We're just starting. But we're on saying, TikTok. I think I saw you on TikTok. It's like, because uh, I was looking at those glasses. I'm like, those are really cool glasses. I don't know what you're talking about, but I think I'm pretty sure it was you. But I'm like, those are really cool glasses. Saying my glasses are destructive for what I'm saying. Maybe I should yeah. not wear them anymore. <laughs> no, but I'm like, I don't think I've seen a pair of glasses like that before. Anyways, they're very unique, and I like unique glasses. It's so. Belgium design, actually, and I'm not going to disclose the brand because then everybody's going to. Then everybody's going to. I need to look for other glasses, and that's annoying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, this has been amazing. Oh, one last question. Hmm. Now, if you go to your social media, you see a bunch. Yet you see different people on bikes. Now, um, hmm. what type? I hate to say what type, um, but who's the majority of the people reaching out for your A-Link, your bike? Is it more of the senior population? Is it more like, what is it? What's we're spread what, all over what the population? place? Yeah? yeah, we're spread all over the place. And it is a mindset thing. People that can see themselves. Generally, what happens is that people Google frustrated at home there has to be something better than the crap that i'm looking at <laughs> so they they google like in medical shops like they don't right. want to roll over, oh, over my dead body okay. like i'm not going to go to the wheelchair my legs still work i'm not going to what the medical system told me so they're looking for something online that um. they so in their minds they actually already envision it so they uh-huh. have they have visions for their own active for who they are, and how yeah. they can re- still recognize themselves even after an accident or a stroke or a diagnosis or all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So they have a vision of who they are as an active person, regardless yeah. of what happened to them and regardless how that impacted their mobility. But they're looking for something that they can continue to feel themselves, and they're looking online. Then they see Selma Blair's documentary, or they see us online or cbs innovation nation has been there like we've been on cbc and and then people see this like there it is i get it because they already saw themselves yeah as if they already like this is the early adopters not before the early adopters actually 
And this is only the sixth year that we're in the market. We're very young still. Mm-hmm. We're very young. But, wow. But that's people how, how most people find us. Okay. Not through hospitals, not through... Okay. Med- so medical you're not people go typi- that route. Medical people typically are the last people that get it. And that <laughs> they only get it if they see an Olinker user that they know in their rear half can't walk. And then they see them on the Olinkers like, what the, what? Yeah. And mm. then they're like, oh, this is how that thing works. And then they get, but they need the person to use the Olinker and see the difference before they click on what this actually can do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. That's cool. All right, everyone. So you really do need to go and check this. Liquid Gym. Liquid, Liquid Gym. Gym, yeah, for In Ottawa. Ottawa. I'm going to yeah. go there and, and, and check them out myself um, because I need some, a reason to go out of my house right now. Oh, and what I, what I want to say, Sylvie, like online sales, everything is online. Right. We have half our team are Alinker users, people that live that every day to do customer service. So if you contact our customer service, like, would that work for me? Or I don't know, can right. I try it or not? you talk to Olinker users. Okay, perfect. So yeah. search out like all her, um, all these social media links will be in the show notes for the Olinker. So you the, you, the listener can go and search on any platform for her. Um, and like she said, um, if you think it's for you or maybe you have questions, um, you can either buy it talk to somebody about it. I mean, read stories, there's videos and, and everything like this is really amazing. Um, and so I just want to, to thank you for accepting and being on the podcast and sharing this cycling phenomenon with us. And so that we can share it with more people globally. Um, yeah, I'm really excited. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks so, so much. I guess in the cycling world, people are, you know, fanatic cycling happens. You can't cycle anymore, but you still want to feel yourself, still want to feel the wind in your face. Oh, so yeah. I think the excellent audience for, uh, for our conversation. Yeah. And I want to, I just want to say, and like, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, like, you don't have to be complete, like, and I don't like use the word disabled, but an unable bodied person to use this. You can be fully capable, but prefer this over maybe getting a bicycle. Have you seen lots of people do that? Generally, people do deal with some kind of mobility challenges due to diagnosis right. or stroke or something. Right. Um, well, it doesn't matter. I use it and because, um, and I'm crazy, of course, <laughs> and, I des- <laughs> and I designed it, so of course I'm using it. But when I broke my foot a few years ago, oh. streets, the next day I was on the Olinker with my running, your didn't lose any, any time with the because ah. I had a broken foot, I had three, three, three fractures. But if I, oh, at wow. that moment, had to get used to the Olinker, I wouldn't have used the Olinker the, the first day after my, my broken foot. I already knew how to use it. 
Yeah, go ahead. Okay, I have a question. So what about people who are getting knee replacements? I know like not immediately, but things like that, not hip so much, or maybe hip. Hip as well, because your sit bones are actually yeah, not yeah. connected to them to the hip socket. Um, oh, we're actually so doing a, um, uh, a study at um, Stanford University in California, um, specifically on knee surgery, because the waiting oh. lists are so long, and if yeah, people yeah, are yeah. having a linker in that time that they're waiting for surgery, and if they use the linker before, you can actually postpone or delay surgery, or in if if that starts catching on, you can actually completely um, forget surgery because you're using a linker. So we're mm-hmm. we're working on that with Professor who is um, um the professor who got that uh, going isn't a linker user herself. Her knees are and she's is using that a oh that's um that's oh, Terry Klein yeah 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 I do just have a prof from Stanford. Um, oh, that's super cool because I don't know what it is, but I'm in my fifties and there's so many people who are younger and younger getting hip replacements and knees. I'm like, I don't get it. I don't know what you guys have been doing to your bodies, but like, it's crazy. Again, food has a huge impact on your cartilage Mm -hmm. and everything. So we're not living in a healthy environment, really. We're not. No. It all goes so, back to health that supports wellness. <laughs> yeah. So like, like we were saying, um, I know we could probably continue this conversation, but liquid gym actually rents them. So if you're here in Ottawa, you can like, maybe we can uh, go hang out and check them out together, but I know I'm going to go and call, uh, call the ladies over there. But again, Thank you to our listeners for listening in. And if you happen to know, like go check out all the pictures and the stories. And I'm sure that you probably know at least one person who this would benefit. Please share this podcast episode with them. And then naturally follow, follow, be on her socials. Um, There's Instagram and the podcast and make sure you leave a review. So thank you so much again, have an amazing day. And uh, well, we might have to have you back in like a year or so when you created your 2.0 so we could talk about it then, how it's impacting the world. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. Thank you so much for having me, Sylvie. Thank you so much for spending this time with me on the Secrets from the Saddle podcast learning more about sighting people, places, and things that make cycling such an exciting sport. I am so glad you stopped by today. Please leave me a review if you feel so moved to do so. I would love to hear your feedback. And if you could take one second to share this episode with someone you think would enjoy it, I would be forever grateful. Also, if you could please leave me a review if you feel so moved by going to iTunes and leaving me an honest thought and an honest comment telling me what you think and most importantly, tell me what you'd like to hear more of. It would really help me to bring more great, inspiring cycling stories to you. Until then, have an amazing day. Make sure you ride your bike. And don't forget to visit my YouTube channel if you'd like to see the full version of this podcast live.